Hey, everybody, Dave DeBow, Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard of short sales? Heard of foreclosures, I'm sure. But today, we've got a very, very special guest on the show, Dwan Bent Twyford, who knows a heck of a lot about short sales and foreclosures and all sorts of stuff, real estate. In fact, she is the queen of short sales. And in fact, she coined the term short sales when it comes to real estate investing. Way back in the 90s, she wrote the first book on it, and she's done a ton of them. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, Dwan, you've done over 2,000 transactions yes, in your over, real estate over. investing. Yes, so many. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you again, Dave. I loved having you on my show, so I'm super happy to be talking to you again. That's right, because Dwan's got an amazing podcast, The Dwanderful Show. Everything's wonderful with Dwan. <laughs> Love that terminology. So Dwan, <laughs> tell me a little bit, for, for folks who aren't super familiar with short sales, can you give us a 30,000-foot perspective? What is it? Why are they so great? Are they still something people can be looking for? Is there only certain times that short sales work? All that kind of good stuff. Yeah, no, actually, so a short sale... The long and short of it is maybe you meet a homeowner and they're in foreclosure because, you know, I basically work the foreclosures and they owe what their house is worth. So they owe what it's worth. There's no equity. You can't rehab it. You can't flip it. Like, you know, maybe keep it for a rental. So a short sale would be where you have the homeowner under contract and then you contact the bank on behalf of the homeowner. Like, I'm Dwan. I have the house under contract. They owe what it's worth. I can't buy it for that much. I need to pay less. And you get the bank to agree to accept less as a full payment. So we shoot for 50% of the value. So if you got a $500,000 house, I try to buy it for $250. And the banks go for it? Oh, yeah, all the time. Yeah, the (laughs) the thing about short sales is everyone looks at it like, here's what the market's doing. Here's what this is and this is doing. But short sales are really about the financial loss to the bank. How many mortgage payments have been missed? How real estate taxes have had to be paid, attorneys have had to be paid, forced insurance has to be paid. I know a homeowner says, like, hey, I might file bankruptcy and drag this on for two more years. It's on the quarterly reports, it's on the year-end reports, and it's just there forever. So it is actually cheaper for the bank to take less than to write it all the way out, get it back, put it through the process and the red tape and get it listed and put it back out on the market. This wow. is quicker, faster, done in 30 days off your bucks. Yeah, because you know, obviously a lot more about this than I ever will. But if those kind of properties are on the books for the banks, that actually affects their ability to borrow money and lend it back out again. Is that correct? That is exactly. And that's what I try to tell people. It's like, you could have the best market in the world, but people are still always in foreclosure, no matter how good the market is. People are dying, going through divorce, getting sick, like, getting job transfers, those things of ebbs and tides of life never change. Mm -hmm. So when the bank is looking at having this on the books for the year that they're behind payments, then a year, two or three in bankruptcy, and then they they get more and more and more and more, they have to pay more money for what they borrow that they get, that they give to you, but they still have to give it to you for the going rate or you'll just go someplace else. Mm -hmm. So in the big picture, it hurts the bank's borrowing ability. Right. That's why we do them all the time. But I don't care how good the market is. Banks still can't sit with properties for three years at a time on their books. 
No, that makes sense. Now, I mean, there's this huge thing about short sales, especially during the last kerfuffle a little over 10 years ago now, <laughs> 08, 07, 08, 09, 10. Seemed like everybody was doing short sales. But then it kind of, you know, things started to get back to normal. I haven't heard much about short sales since. It sounds like you're still a going concern with short sales all the time. It doesn't really oh, yeah. matter. We always, always, always do. But you know what's happening right now? is the banks or the government, I guess, did that, you know, nationwide forbearance agreement in the states here. So yeah. people didn't have to make mortgage payments. So now I'm out talking to homeowners in distress and the mm. average person is 27 or 28 payments behind, wow. which is, I mean, I've been investing for 30 years. I have never seen 90% of the people over two years behind on payments. So they, now, doesn't doesn't that get tacked on to their principal or or something like that or isn't there some weird tricky well tricky thing that happens there? So a forbearance. So when I, I just I just remember listening to them saying that we're doing a nationwide forbearance agreement. So I did so many podcasts and so many tapes that make your payments, make your payments. It's not what you think. So a forbearance could be one of several things, but long and short, they could tack all the payments on the back, or they could say. You know, you're $30,000 behind, you give me 10 and we'll take 20 and we'll spread them out over 24 months and they tack it on to your payment. Mm. So now you have this payment and now you have this higher payment mm -hmm. and the whole time you're in the forbearance agreement, you're still in foreclosure. So if you miss one payment, boom, your house is gone. Wow. And so I think everyone just had the misconception. Well, let's put them on the back. Yeah. But then they go and they run, they see what you're doing and you're working and you're not making the same money. And like, well, we're not putting them on the back. So now, like I had three people this week, one person, they, their mortgage statement says they owed like 17,000. Their reinstatement was $45,000. Wow. I have another woman <laughs> right here up the street from me. Her reinstatement is 62,000. That's and they're criminal. just not sticking. Yeah, there, there's no such thing as the as getting a free ride from the bank ever. Oh. <laughs> ever. I mean, you know, oh. the people that made payments and then did the forbearance and then when it was over, started making payments again. Some of those people are getting a little bit more mercy, but the people that are like still haven't made payments, like nah, we're not making payments. The bank's like, nope, they're not putting they're not putting them on the back. So I'm running across all these people that are 40, 50, 60,000 dollars behind. With the fees, the attorney's fees, the da, da 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 and they don't have the money. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's crazy. So, so, so it looks like there's going to be a upswell of opportunities coming down the road in yeah. this area. So yeah. let me ask you. Let me ask you a question. Let's see you you that fictitious example we were looking at before five hundred thousand dollar property. Uh -huh. You go in, you negotiate with the bank, you get it for two fifty or three, whatever, whatever you get it for. How are you typically purchasing that? Do you have to go in all cash to buy that? What What are you typically doing in those cases? No, anyway, that's a good question because a lot of people think, well, I can get the short sale and then I can wholesale it. But the bank's like, we're not going to lose two fifty, and let you wholesale it for fifty thousand dollars profit. Mm. <laughs> so the bank will give you thirty days to close. So you can use a hard money lender. You can pay cash, I guess, if you have it. You could do what's it called? Transactional funding, mm -hmm. but you do have to get it off. The bank has to be paid off in full. And then now you have it. So we typically I'll wholesale it or to a rehab or a landlord and I'll just double close it. So I'll close on it. 
and then I'll have another closing. Because you you got you got a bunch of people lined up that you know can close quickly, right? So you built that up over time, always. exactly. My buyers list is my strength, man. I got them. I have buyers all over the place. So I call them, hey, I got a deal just for you, and they know that when I call them for just for them, they have to jump right on it. So I got them. All, <laughs> I got them my buyers just, strength. Just just for you, or for the next guy that picks up the phone <laughs> if you don't well, take it. <laughs> I actually try to have like a house that I think is good for this person yeah. or this person based on what they do. So they know I'm like, Hey, I'm going to give you first chance. I give everyone who I call the first shot, but I say, I have to hear from you tomorrow. Otherwise I'm texting it to everybody. Right. So I do do that. So, you know, it helps create a little bit of loyalty and people are like, Oh, I got first shot. I better grab that deal. If one thing is a good deal, it must be a good deal. Yeah. And yeah, but short sales. And that's one thing I always tell people. It's like a short sale is not an exit strategy. If you get a bank to take a short sale, you still have to do something with it. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah, a technique yeah. it's in your toolbox, but it's not the it's not an exit strategy. There's no so money on it. So you're you're yeah, basically doing you're basically flipping these you're wholesaling these deals is is what you're doing typically. Is that correct? I, I wholesale them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And a lot of your students, what are they doing? They're doing the same thing, or do a lot of them end up holding them? Long-term? Some hold. I mean, yeah, if you get a five hundred thousand dollar house for two fifty, it's in good shape. Might be a great rental. I mean, it's a good yeah. rental. I mean, I keep some for rentals and mm-hmm. I sell some to wholesalers. I sell some to rehabbers. Sometimes if it's really nice, I'll just close on it and maybe put carpet and paint and I'll sell it retail. Yeah. Because, you know, that's $200,000 on a paycheck. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, it depends. <laughs> so it depends. It depends on the deal. If it's not trashed, I'll retail it. Yeah. But I still now, have to close. Banks will like, and if you don't close on that day, boom. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, they're not fooling around. Comes to that. So one of the other thing I wanted to I wanted to chat with you. The other thing I wanted to chat with you about today is mindset, because we're we're going to include your bio in the show notes here. You've got an amazing, amazing story. I mean, starting as a single mom, not having a clue, and fired from Denny's, and getting into real estate, and. That was back in the 90s, wasn't it? Early 90s. Yeah, my daughter was born in 88. So by 89, I was a single mom with an eight-month-old baby. No wow. husband, no car, no money. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So you got you got started under adverse circumstances. I did. You've done amazingly well, and you've been teaching, training, coaching, helping people for years and years and years now, and you've got your podcast and the whole bit. But here's what I wanted to kind of unwrap with you here today is – the whole mindset side of things, because I know the little bit I, I know of you, you're you're go getter. Nothing's going to get your way. You're going to figure it out one way or the other. Back in the early '90s, when you had you know your single mom getting started, your back was against the wall. You had to kind of make it yeah. work. I worked out of desperation. Exactly. Now that's a good motivator. And what I've seen though is you know you got a lot of folks getting into real estate investing. And they're doing okay financially, like they've got jobs and and all that kind of stuff. So they don't necessarily have the fire that someone in your situation has, or back in the day when I first got started, and there weren't very many other options for me either, and I was make it or break it kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. How do you help people get fired up and really dial, you know, dial in their why, why they're going to be doing this and, and... create that internal drive that's going to carry them through all the crap they're going to have to go through the challenges, the hardships, the frustrations, the obstacles, the rejection, all that stuff that comes along with (laughs) real estate and entrepreneurship. 
Entrepreneurship in general. Yeah, exactly. How do you help people create that fire? Well, you know, when somebody invests in one of my programs or my mentoring or something, I do ask them, why? Why do you want to do this? Because some people are like, yeah, I just want to do one or two deals a year. So I'm like, okay, if you want to do one or two deals a year, that's a different than a person's like, I hate my job. I want to work, you know, I want to do this full time. So I try to find out their reasoning, the why, like you said. Mm-hmm. And then I just really sit down and have like a for real talk. Like, hey, if you think you're just going to go out there and find people and they're just going to fall all over you, giving you deeds and contracts, it's not like that. So you have to be able to go a month or two without a paycheck. You have to be able to be realistic about what's going to happen. It will start to snowball, but you got to get, you got to make the first snowball Mm. to get it rolling. So I think I honestly, I just sit with people and I tell them realistically, this is what's going to happen. It's not going to be all sunshine and rolling the flowers and deals are flying out of the sky. (laughs) If you think that you do not want to work with me because it's not that way. So well, I plus, plus, plus it's not going to be that way with anybody else, no matter what they say either. That's, that's it's the not. reality. So yeah. I say, if you want to buy the shiny object and the person that says, buy my program, you can close 80 deals a month. That's what you need to do. Cause that's not yeah. real. That's not how it's going to happen. So I really sit down and tell people the reality. And then I try to talk to them about, you know, like their strengths. How do they, how do they feel if they had a cold call? How do they feel if they had a door knock? How do they feel taking calls from people? And I try to just find out where they're at. And kind of out of the gate, I kind of help people set goals and work on certain things I feel that they might need help with so that they're not inundated or they're not overwhelmed or they're not flipped out when they're getting like 50 phone calls from an ad they ran. And they're like, oh, my God, what do I do with all these people? So I think I just try to realistically prepare people. And someone's like, oh, I want your big coaching. I want you to train me, but I only want to do two deals a year. I'm like, I'm not your girl. If you yeah. want to do two this year, here's my program. Study this. And, you know, I, I am not going to invest my time, I guess, for someone that just wants to dabble because mm-hmm. I'm not a dabbling. I'm like kind of an all or nothing person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So, and, I, and I'm fine for me that one dabble. I'm like, hey, I've got a great home study course. It's got boot camps. You can ask me questions. It's amazing. But if you want to like be all in, then I really help every single person face the reality and tell them about the obstacles and how to overcome them. And I prepare them and make them study before they just bounce out there and start talking to people. Well, that, yeah, that makes I a lot of sense. So then, then what do you do? What do you do with them once they're two or three months in and they've been knocked around a little bit and they, the, perhaps sometimes the, the wind's fallen out of their sails, so to speak, how do you get them reinvigorated again what are what are some tips or suggestions i have people get on q a's and people get on webinars i have a a thing called mining network and i have a little wonderful thing in there and i just keep people really engaged and sometimes i'll have like one student call another student if they live near each other and say hey like we should have lunch so i try to hook people up i tell them to go meet the real leaders i know every real leader in the country just about i'm like go to the ria and meet the real leaders and get yourself surrounded by like type people mm. if you have like-minded people and they had a bad day and you had a bad day and you have lunch you feel better right so i'm really yeah, about, usually, usually one of you had a better day than the other one so it perks the other person yeah, up for sure. yeah yeah so i'm really big i'm really big <laughs> on telling people to go to local rias local meetups yeah. and meet other people because we're all going to have great days and we're all going to have bad days and you just have yeah. to you know have a little bit of thick skin i think 
<laughs> well, I, I like what you said earlier about helping people really kind of figure out their strengths. So, I mean, I imagine what you're talking about there when it's, you know, are they comfortable cold calling people or knocking on doors or receiving phone calls? That has to do with the, the marketing to find motivated sellers to find people in these kind of situations. It does. So if somebody says, I'd rather stick the screwdriver in my ear than, than knock on somebody's door, then you try to find something that would be more yeah. suitable for them instead of trying yeah. to force them to do something they're never going to do. Is that correct? I, yeah, I have like 20 ways I use to find home. Like 10 are passive and 10 are active, like actively. So people go through and they say, oh, I, I, I can do this. I can do that. I can't see myself ever doing that. But if you really ask people, like, what is the reason you haven't started yet? They all say the same thing. It's fear. And they mm. go, well, I don't know what to say. What if somebody yells at me? What if someone is rude to me? It's like, yeah. so has no one ever <laughs> been mad at you or rude to you ever in your life, your family or friends in a store? It's like, they're not mad at you. They're mad at the situation. So I think I help people, I help people just learn the mindset of the homeowner because they're not like, oh, Dwan and Dave came to my door today. They're not excited about that. <laughs> well, they weren't like, expecting you probably, right? That bank's taking my house. So they're mad at the bank anyway. So yeah. I, I spent a lot of time with people talking about the mindset of the homeowner and they go through stages, acceptance, fear, embarrassment, all the same De things. Denial. They're not, yeah. Denial is the big one. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. me. You have the wrong house. I'm like, well, right here's your name and number and right here's your sale date. So I think it is you. All right, Dwan. So what, what would you say to summarize this whole mindset thing of creating the fire and keeping that fire burning? Because again, if you want to be successful in real estate or anything, it's, it's not a short term. Let's just try it out kind of thing. Like you say, it, yeah. if you want to be successful, you got to dive head first all in. You do. And, you know, I just, I, I don't know, maybe I'm different than other people, but when I'm working with somebody, especially someone new, I'm not shy about saying, like, these are the great things and these are like the super shitty things. Sorry, yeah. am I allowed to cuss? <laughs> well, you are now. <laughs> <laughs> there, so, there, there went my Disney rating right, right out the window. <laughs> because a lot of people, I, I've, I've been in a lot of sales in my 20s and they would always like train them this, teach them this and don't tell me anything negative. But then when something happens they don't expect, it does knock the wind out of their sails. Yeah. So I would rather just say, look, these are all the great, wonderful things. And these are some of the things you might not be so great, but it's okay. It's all part of it. But as you go and ex more experience and you learn your scripts and you learn how to talk to banks, it's like 80% great and like 20% maybe not so great. And then maybe at some point, 5% not so great because you've learned You've yeah. learned the business. And we were talking a little bit about fear being that big thing that just so cripples so many people, everybody, all of everybody. us, one way or everybody. the other, it cripples us and getting over this fear. So, so when you are talking to new real estate investors, what are those 20% of the things that typically most people find that, that kind of sucks at the beginning? Wow, that's another fantastic idea. Hold on to that thought for a sec. We'll be right back. Now, are you a real estate investor who's run out of cash or credit to grow your portfolio? Are you looking to grow your portfolio using other people's money and raising capital? Well, I want to show you how to raise six figures or more in six weeks or less at my upcoming Investor Attraction Workshop. You can get your ticket and find out all about it at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. We're going to spend a full day taking a deep dive into this roadmap. 
that I've used to raise millions for my deals, and I've helped other people just like you cumulatively raise hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars for their deals as well. So again, you can check that out at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. And as a loyal listener to the podcast, you'll get 50% off your ticket when you use the discount code podcast. That's right. Discount code podcast at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. See you at the next workshop. Well, you know, it's funny. Every time I do a live seminar or I ask to speak for someone, I would, my first thing that I, I tell, right, raise your hand, by a show of hands, how many of you make less than you think you're worth? Every hand goes up. I say, okay, how many of you want to be real estate investors? All the hands go up. And I'm like, okay, what's stopping you? And everyone says the first words are like fear, multiple people, fear of the unknown, fear of what to say. How do I get rid of a property if I get it? Mm. I don't want to get stuck with it. And the things that they're afraid of are really not anything to be afraid of if you have a buyer's list and people to sell to. If you learn your scripts, so if someone says anything or the bank says anything, you have the answer. So when you learn those things, I don't know what anyone would be afraid of. I mean, people are afraid of success, you know, just as much as they are failure. Fear of success is equally as high. Mm. But they yeah, usually, people usually don't say that. They that. That might be the thing that actually gets in the way, but most folks, I don't think, myself included at different points in my life, don't really understand what the, how the hell can I be afraid of success? I mean, that's that's the goal I've got out there. That's what I'm putting out it there. Is. Why would I be afraid of that? What's your but take on the whole thing? It is really deep rooted though. I think because a lot of times in life, like if someone's ever tried to diet, well, you know, you want to lose 50 pounds in two weeks. Well, it took you two years to gain those 50 pounds. They're not falling off in two weeks. Yeah. And I think people sometimes are like, well, gosh, what would I do with all that money? Like, you know, and then, you know, as you know, you make more money and your circle of friends changes. And the people over here that just want to like drink and get high on the weekends and spend their whole paycheck on that they got Friday and they're broke on Monday. You don't hang out like that because you're over here. And so I think I have read a lot about it. Fear of success is like a subconscious deep rooted fear because people don't know what that looks like or what their life will look like because everyone you're around right now is mostly like you. And then you're going to break out of the herd over here and you have to get like, you know, like a new herd. Yeah. Like I, I guess it kind of boils down to fear of change. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably it too. Fear of change. I mean, yeah. listen, I was all over. I was like, I bought a house. I bought a boat. I bought a car. I was like, I'm buying everything. I'm so excited to have money. And I shared it with all my friends. But over time, over like the first decade, I could see some people I'd want to go here and people couldn't afford. And then I started hanging out with other investors and we'd go here and we'd go travel to masterminds and my yeah, you have more in common with those people, right? You start to have a lot my more. My friends in are like, you spent thirty thousand dollars just to talk to people like three times a year. It's like, yeah, like, yes, and you, you know, you see the disconnect kind of start. Yeah, no, most definitely. What I was going to ask you because you've been in the game for a while. You started in the early nineteen nineties. You're still going strong, stronger than ever. I'm a marketing weirdo. I love marketing stuff. I'm just curious. How have you seen things transition when it comes to finding motivated sellers? What were you doing? What are you doing now that was different than what you were doing back in the early 90s? What were you doing in the early 90s that you're still doing now, if anything? What's kind of evergreen? What's new? Well, one of the things I always do is I know people don't like it, but I actually like to go door knocking. 
I get really? it. I, print yeah. out, I, I do. I went door knocking last week. I like it. I don't know. It's just I started that way and I have no fear of it. And the homeowners are always so surprised. And then they start crying like you're an angel. And I'm like, oh, no. and I'm just like, I, I still like that. I know people are like, ah, but I do it. So I think some things that are nice now is that we can have like a Facebook page and we can have a website and we can do a lot of marketing to find people, you know, that we didn't have that before. But some of the things I still do that I've done the whole time is I, I still like to go door knocking. I always put ads on Craigslist all the time. So many ads on Craigslist. My phone rings off the hook. I put ads in elementary school in the newsletters because the parents read the newsletters. Divorce right. rates 50%. They're looking, they're going, oh man, I'm in, you know, I, I'm going to call it. So I, I try to put my name in front of people like where they're at. Smart. Very, like, very smart. They're reading wow. their kids' school. And when you get kids in junior high and high school, no parent. They're just like, now nah, get yourself to school and get a hot pocket and don't wake me up. <laughs> but, you know, elementary school, we're reading the newsletters, churches, we're yeah. reading the handout. So I, I put lots of ads and I, and I don't put any, I buy houses cash. It's more like, are you having behind on payments? Question mark. Are you going through a divorce? Question mark. Did you have a death in the family? question mark. Did you have an unexpected job transfer? Question mark. Call me for a free and confidential phone consultation. We offer solutions to people's property problems. Oh, but I don't put nice. I buy house with cash in like the school newsletter because they read and go, yeah, I'm, I'm behind. Yeah, I'm going to do it. Yes, I'm going to call this person. So I try to put myself in front of people where they don't even realize I marketed to them. Mm. Very, very smart. One, it, everybody it, mails it, postcards. Everybody, it's like, don't waste your money. Don't do that. That's a waste of money. Like, <laughs> do other stuff. <laughs> you you think you find the direct mail is a waste of is a waste of time, waste of money for you? Well, typically, yes or no. if you're mailing to people just in foreclosure, they get like 200 postcards mm -hmm. between attorneys, mortgage brokers, real estate agents. So I do like to do with farming agents do it. Like they buy a zip code. And maybe there's 5,000 houses in that zip code. They'll mail like 1,000, then the next month, 1,000. And you just keep remailing the same zip code with the same kind of postcard behind in payments, you know, death in the family, unexpected job. And then like twice a year, they get your postcard and they go, I mean, I've had people like, listen, my husband, I found out he was cheating. I've been keeping this postcard in my nightstand. Because <laughs> I read that line going through a divorce, and I thought I'm going to be. So they'll, they're more likely like to keep it. Then just like I listed a house in your area, like they don't care. Yeah, yeah, no, that is that is some very very good advice. Thanks for sharing <laughs> that, Dwan. This this is a lot of fun, it's, and time flies when we're having fun. So you've got your podcast, you've got all sorts of different things. What's what's the best place for people to go for all things Dwan? Wonderful. That's right. <laughs> All things wonderful. Actually, if they just go to my website, Dwanderful, that's like I took Dwan and Wonderful, made a new word. So DWA and Dwander, D-R-Full, Dwanderful.com. If they opt in, they get four free ebooks. And I invite people all the time to be on Q&As and ask questions and be on webinars. And plus, I'm on all things social media. Their social media, my face is on it. That's right. All things wonderful. There you go. So if you'd like to find out more, we'll have the link in the show notes as well. Dwan, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for having me.
My pleasure. All right, everybody, take care. We'll talk to you on the next episode. Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, InvestorAttractionBook.com. Take care.